1 Kings 16. Yahweh's word came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, Because I exalted you out of the dust and made you prince over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins, behold, I will utterly sweep away Baasha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. The dogs will eat Baasha's descendants who die in the city, and he who dies of his in the field, the birds of the sky, will eat. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha and what he did and his might, aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried in Terzah, and Elah, his son, reigned in his place. Moreover, Yahweh's word came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha and against his house, both because of all the evil that he did in Yahweh's sight, to provoke him to anger with the works of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam, and because he struck him. In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Baasha, began to reign over Israel in Terzah for two years. His servant Zimri, captain of half his chariots, conspired against him. Now he was in Terzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, who was over the household in Terzah, and Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. When he began to reign, as soon as he sat on his throne, he attacked all the house of Baasha. He didn't leave alive a single one who urinates on a wall among his relatives or his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the house of Baasha according to Yahweh's word which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah his son which they sinned and with which they made Israel to sin to provoke Yahweh the God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? In the 27th year of Asa king of Judah Zimri reigned seven days in Terzah. Now the people were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. The people who were encamped heard that Zimri had conspired and had also killed the king. Therefore, all Israel made Omri, the captain of the army, king over Israel that day in camp. Omri went up from Gibbethon, and all Israel with him, and they besieged Terzah. When Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the fortified part of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died. For his sins which he sinned in doing that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he did to make Israel to sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri and his treason that he committed, aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri prevailed against the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginath. So Tibni died and Omri reigned. In the 31st year of Asa, the king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel for 12 years. He reigned six years in Terzah. He bought the hill Samaria of Shemur for two talents of silver, and he built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria, after the name of Shema, the owner of the hill. 
when we did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, and dealt wickedly above all who were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sins with which he had made Israel to sin, to provoke Yahweh the God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Omri which he did, and his might that he showed, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel. Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Ahab the son of Omri did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, above all that were before him, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. He took as wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He raised up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. Ahab made the Asherah, and Ahab did more yet to provoke Yahweh, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Heel, the Bethelite, built Jericho. He laid its foundation with the loss of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates with the loss of his youngest son, Segub, according to Yahweh's word, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Oh, so a lot's going on here. <laughs> it's, it's not just a ho-hum chapter, this one. So, first of all, let's go through the kings. Elah is the fourth king. So, Baasha was the king of Israel. He died. His son Elah became the king. Elah is the fourth king of Israel, but he's the second king of the second dynasty of Israel. But, um, Zimri, he, now he's um, apparently was getting drunk in his own palace. Zimri goes in, attacks him and kills him. And so he is, um, he's, you know, put to death and Zimri becomes king, but only for seven days. So Zimri becomes the fifth king of the third dynasty. So dynasty, you know, is like a family line, father, son, father, son, except this dynasty only has one in it. <laughs> There's no father and son at all. So Zimri becomes the fifth king of a third dynasty, but he is only king for a week. And um, so the army of Israel is, is besieging Gibbethon, which is a Philistine city further away. They come back um, and they, they surround, you know, Omri surrounds Terza, the capital city of Israel. Uh, Zimri kills himself. So now Omri and Tibni have a little mini civil war but Omri overcomes, so Omri becomes the sixth king and the fourth dynasty of Israel. I think it's really crazy that there are four dynasties and only six kings at this point in Israel. This goes to show the, the tumult, the turmoil and the turbulence that, that come from not following the Lord properly. Things are just, there's just no stability. So Omri becomes the sixth king, but the start of the fourth dynasty. And because Zimri killed himself by burning down the palace. Um, this is where um, Omri, the king, moves the capital from Terza to Samaria. He, he buys a hill, um, calls it Samaria. And in the New Testament, we've got these people called the Samaritans. Well, they're people from Samaria. You know, Jesus goes in John chapter 4 and has a conversation with the Samaritan woman. You know, the woman of Samaria. Well, it all goes back to right here 
when King Omri built the new capital for Israel in Samaria. And of course, it's because Zimri burnt down the old one. <laughs> so super interesting. So, and of course, Omri is um, a stronger king. He didn't follow the Lord, but he's stronger. So he manages to kind of establish a bit of stability, builds a new capital. He lasts for 12 years. His son Ahab, who's a terrible king, becomes king. And he becomes the seventh king of Israel and the second king of the fourth dynasty. And Ahab does something terrible. He, he, he promotes true Canaanite worship. So we sometimes don't get the sense of these things, you know, living all these thousands of years later, three, you know, it's almost 3,000 years later we're living, and we, we live in, Western, in a Western world, we speak English, we don't really understand, but there's a subtle shift right here with Ahab in the religion of Israel. Okay, so let me explain. He brings for himself a wife, Jezebel. She's from, she's the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of Sidon, you know, the Sidonians. So Sidon and Tyre were further north. That's where the country of Lebanon is today. And the people that lived there were the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians were Canaanite, you know, idolatry worshippers. So when, when Joshua and the, the, they came into the promised land, all the people there worshipped, you know, Baal and the fertility gods. And, and the Lord was so displeased. They used to kill their children, you know, as sacrifices to their gods. And the Lord wanted it completely removed because it was so offensive. And if you um, are struggling with the idea of the Lord wanting it being removed, you need to go back and go through some of our videos in the book of Joshua where we explain these things. But it'd be a bit like saying, um, you know, for example, Hitler's regime in World War II, it was offensive and, you know, it had to be cleaned up. So it's something com comparable to that. And so it, this had to be cleaned up. But the problem was Sidon and Tyre were, were further north. They were involved in these things too, but they remained there this whole entire time. So this, these fertility religions and the child sacrifice and all of that continued further north. So now Ahab has gone and got himself a wife from up there and brought her down into Israel, but not only has he brought her down, he's endorsed the way that she is, they're practicing religion and kind of made it the national thing. This is what we're doing. And we're gonna find out in the next chapter, or is it two chapters after this, that, that Jezebel set up 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. There were 850 people that were involved, not counting all the priests, in worshipping these gods. So it had become kind of a state-sanctioned religion. So up to this point, you know, when, when Joshua came into the Promised Land, they were endeavouring to worship God. You know, they had their ups and downs, as we saw through the book of Judges. Um, but, you know, with King David and that, they were worshipping the Lord. That was their plan. The temple was built with Solomon. They're worshipping the Lord. But when Jeroboam, the first king of Israel, came, he didn't want them to go down to Israel... He still wanted them to worship God, but he set up these two golden calves and he said, these are your gods. So now we had this thing which was called syncretistic religion. They're still kind of worshiping the God that brought them out of Egypt. That's what Jeroboam tells them. He says, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt. But it's, it's kind of a, a variant religion. It's syncretism. It's a mixture of the practices of the land plus the practices of worshiping God. So, but what... Ahab is doing with, with Jezebel here is, no, he's going completely back to those religions that were there before and saying, this is the way we're going to worship. So that's why the, it's said here in this chapter that Ahab, Ahab turned away from the Lord, 
more than any other king before him, like more than Jeroboam, who set up those two golden calves. So sometimes we don't sense the subtleties of these differences, but no, this is a complete different religion. It's the one that God hated. It's the one that God wanted driven out of the land when Joshua came. You know, the golden calves were bad, but this is really bad. <laughs> so we just got to make the point that this is so bad that God has to raise up a special prophet to deal with this, which we're going to meet in the next chapter, Elijah. <laughs> so, um, and just to emphasize how bad this is, this chapter finishes with the discussion of the man that rebuilt the city of Jericho. And if you go way, way back to Joshua's time, you know, when Joshua destroyed the city of Jericho, Joshua put a curse on it and he said, you know, whoever rebuilds this city will lose his first son and whoever sets up the gate will lose his, his youngest son. And he put this curse on the city. And we, I don't know if you remember us reading that, but here we've just read that at the, um, oh, let me just get my uh, Bible back out for you. Here we go. This is the last verse. In the days Heel, the Bethelite, built Jericho. He laid its foundation with the loss of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates with the loss of his youngest, Segub, in accordance to Yahweh's word, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. And so you can find those words way back in the book of Joshua. So here we have got an example of a man that goes to build a city, and when he's at the foundation stage, his older son dies, and when he's at the gate stage, his youngest son dies. Now, when I was a younger Christian, th this is actually an example of child sacrifice. I'm, I'm like 99% sure of this, and at least one commentator s said that what I'm about to tell you is correct, and other commentators didn't even think of it as a possibility. But I'm pretty sure that I'm right here. Um, this is an example, it's, it's thrown in here because it's an example to, of the child sacrifice that's taking place. So when we read it as modern readers, we think, oh, the curse of Joshua, it must have happened so that as he was building the foundations, his son just got cursed and died. And we think it's all completely supernatural. There's no doubt about it that, that, that there was a curse at work but there was also a natural thing at work too. And the natural thing was that as part of the, the religion of the time, when someone would build a new city, they would offer child sacrifices and put them into the foundations of the city. This isn't just a thing that happened in Canaan. This has happened all over the world. It happened in Cambodia. Uh, it happened in the Aztec Empire, you know, in so South America, where they would build pyramids or they would build cities and they would kill people and put them into the foundations. And so what we've got here is the man, he, El the Bethelite, he builds Jericho again and he sacrifices his oldest son and puts him into the foundation. And when he gets to the gate stage, he sacrifices his younger son and puts him into the gate as well. So this is, um, this is an example of how evil the land, the northern tribe of Israel is becoming under Ahab and Jezebel. They have gone all the way back to the religion of before Joshua and they're endorsing it. They're endorsing child sacrifice. And you can see that the Bible has thrown in an example right here in the last verse of this chapter to show you. And these are things we don't just pick up so easily because we read thousands of years later and we're thinking in English like modern people. But an ancient reader would have read this and would have said, you know, goodness me. Uh, <laughs> they've gone back to that, you know, worshiping the, the Baals. And they've gone back to child sacrifice and it would have really stood out as displeasing to the Lord. So I'm 99% sure about that. 
I don't think that these two boys that died were accidental deaths. I think they were sacrifices. And it was a curse. It really was a curse. Joshua spoke that that's what would happen. He probably didn't know that that was what would, what would happen. And it doesn't mean that the Lord caused it to happen. But it's just a fulfillment of what the Lord knew would happen. And it's really, it's really disturbing to see Israel, the northern nation, falling so far. And as we go along, you're going to see why the Lord, eventually, the Lord had to deal with Israel the same way that the Lord had to deal with the Ammonites that were in the land before Israel. So some people think of the Israelites as God's chosen people and God so specially treating them. But no, the Lord treats them no differently to anyone. If they do what's wrong, he punishes them. And that's what's going to eventually happen when we get to the end of the history of you know, the, the northern nation and of the southern nation as well. Lord, keep us from idolatry. I ask our hearts would be set on you. Help us not to be so polluted by the world around us that we throw ourselves all in like Ahab and Jezebel. Lord, keep our hearts from evil. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.